This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. While most children grow their imagination playing with toys, our next guest, Betsy Four, went one step further. She grew up inventing them. Luckily, this passion never died. She soon landed her dream job with leading toy manufacturers such as Mattel and Hasbro, creating anything from Star Wars toys to Polly Pocket dolls. Nowadays, Betsy continues to use her inventions to spark joy in the lives of others, from transforming Moishi Monster's digital characters into physical products or creating the stylish pet wearable Wonder Wolf. Betsy's career showcases how we too can build a life that combines our childhood passion with earning a living. Betsy is currently the founder of Tiny Organics, a technology-powered baby wellness company. I'm so excited to talk to Betsy today about why we shouldn't be afraid to reinvent ourselves and her secret to persistence. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these Forbes 30 under 30 listees. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant... Betsy Four. Betsy, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Michelle. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you and I connected recently over LinkedIn. And when I looked into you and the incredible work you're doing um, in the entrepreneurial and inventor space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So, I really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. <laughs> of course. Exciting times. Of course. So great. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I can take it way back. Yeah. <laughs> we love um, that. Started out, um, I'm an industrial designer, um, grew up as a builder, um, always tinkering. And I started my career as a toy inventor. So invented toys from Mattel, Hasbro, Spin Master, um, from everything from Star Wars to Polly Pocket. It was a dream. I basically always get to stay a kid, right? And, and, and a child at heart, definitely. And my career is has been in the children's space. So after that, I went to um, London, where I lived for a number of years, um, building out Mind Candy, our hero brand, Mashi Monsters, um, with Mike Lacton Smith uh, at the time, and a, a phenomenal team of just brilliant people who were bringing to life these characters that was all digital, right? And then I was able to translate that into the physical world. We became the number one toy brand uh, for three years on, even beating Star Wars and Lego during that time. So it was really 
really magical. Yeah, it's so much fun. But I was also doing hackathons um, on the weekends as I was leading a lot of the product um, on the day-to-day. And one weekend, I noticed that my dog, Whiskey, had begun gaining weight. I had tried everything, and I thought, I've got a Fitbit for myself. Why don't I make one for my dog? This is before any pet wearable was on the market. So my last company was Wonder Wolf. Um, it did just that. It actually, um, he lost weight and got down to his goal weight, which can extend his life up to two years. So it was really all around the health and wellness of your dog. Uh, and now that my new company is um, for my nine-month-old, my new baby, uh, Sebastian. And um, it's all around the health and wellness of, of children and how to set them up for nutritional success in life. Uh, I love it, Betsy. It's so funny because I've, I've read about you. I've read about all the amazing things you've invented. Oh. And it's just so cool to hear it back from you kind of like step by step. And yes. we're going to dive so much, so much deeper in it today. Um, but before we do, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? And yep. how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? 100%. So I grew up in a very, very small country town, almost no one's heard of, in the middle <laughs> of Illinois. Um, so mid, mid, Midwest at heart. Um, and, and another reason why I have such a strong pull towards my current um, trajectory to, to feed um, uh, children is because I grew up where, you know, very, very loving home, but my first words were McDonald's Coke Fry, literally <laughs> in a food desert, right? <laughs> so didn't always eat. And we didn't even know back then, like the healthiest yeah. things, right? Um, and so, once once I realized this, and that I had kind of been on a sugar roller coaster all my life in regards to food, um, I was then able to re-engineer my body about 13 years ago. Became vegan, then vegetarian ever since, um, and just the impact that that's had on on my life, being plant based and my health. But um, but aside from food, I <laughs> grew up, um, yeah, always tinkering in the garage with my dad, who's an engineer, um, very much, you know, was got my first motorcycle at the age of three. Um, he's got 10 in the garage right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, and, and, and he's a motocross racer, races against guys my age every weekend and wins, even at his age now. Um, so just phenomenal inspiration in, in my life. And I think what drew me to um, industrial design and engineering um, definitely was kind of seeing, you know, him being such a builder. And my mom is creative as well. My, my brother was actually the art director at my um, last company. And he's more obsessed with cartoons and more passionate about that than I've seen anyone be passionate about almost anything in their whole life. So to grow up as with him as my best friend as well, mm-hmm. best mate, you know, being able to like j- journey through this life with that kind of support mm-hmm. and that that love, you know, coming from a very, you know, very humble um, beginnings, but like with that amount of love, I think kind of sets a child and a, and a person up for success regardless of what they would go on to do, especially at that time, not having women um, that had, you know, been like a Steve Jobs per se, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I could kind of look up to and think like I want to be that and I want to be her and you know that's that's the impact that I hope for the next generation of women that they could see and they they could realize that we're out there and we're we're being the change and we're living it and making that difference and my family always made me believe you know boy or girl no matter you know anything right that you um you could do whatever um that that you that you dreamed um and it was a dream so I didn't even visit um Chicago only uh, a couple times growing up and for me that was a fairy tale this place was like magic (laughs) 
I, I thought like, oh my God, the people, the food, you know, um, the, the skyline, uh, the beach and everything. And uh, I still feel that way about Chicago. <laughs> so it's an incredible city. But it, um, you know, I was kind of bent on then going there mm-hmm. when I was 18, entering university. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's still a dream to me today. But I just feel so, so grateful, you know, looking back and, and, um, and thinking like trying to take every opportunity, right, to, to, to sort of pave that way in life and, um, and that really anybody could, you know, like be able to kind of put themselves completely out of their comfort zone. I didn't know anyone in Chicago, same as London. I didn't know anyone when I moved out there um, and, and really try to build, you know, something of, of yourself. <laughs> oh. I love it, Betsy. I could just sit here and listen to you speak all day. I think something that I just get from you straight away is just you're so humble and you're so, like, grounded and down to earth and just just so grateful. And it's just, I mean, you've won so many awards for all of your work over the years. You're listed, I can literally, we'll go through it later, but, you know, it's just so amazing to see see someone who's just so to their roots, you know, grounded. Do you think, so... In what way do you think your family played a role played a role in that as yep. you progressed? throughout your career. Mm. Oh, 100% they did. I mean, my my mom, she always had us drawing, you know, all growing up. I thought at one point I was studying oil painting at the Art Institute of Chicago thinking I would love to, you know, have a career in this as, as, you know, a a visual artist um, and and try to figure out how I can make that work. But the fact that my parents, you know, at any point, um, and my brother, of course, like believed in me and said, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can be that and you can do that. And then I said, okay, maybe an art teacher makes more sense. Mm -hmm. And by the time I stumbled upon industrial design, it was like, um, it was only a 30, um, year old d- degree at that point. Like it was still, it's still a fairly new, um, degree that you can get. And, um, and I thought, oh my goodness, this just makes total sense. Cause I can be helping people by building things. And that's what I learned all growing up. But I think what made the difference with my family is that, um, you know, I grew up very, very conservative as mm-hmm. well. And in a lot of ways, you know, I had uh, friends that rebelled against that, but for me it was, um, I'm, al- I'm always a rebel at heart as I believe true entrepreneurs are and kind of going against. The, the grain, but um, but but I'm, I'm I feel so grateful and 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 so blessed, honestly, to have had that kind of um, very conservative uh, mm. background. I think that you know it it allowed me to kind of focus on other things in in life um, from an early age that you know maybe people wouldn't have been as interested in if they were trying to you know not get into trouble, but just trying to experience um, new things in life, which I did kind of later on, if you will, in my twenties and. And stuff when I went to uni. But another really defining um, part of my background is that um, I was in a near-death car accident when I was uh, 15. And so um, my, I, I don't normally talk about it, but I, it really shaped who I am as a person and made me realize what matters in life uh, very early on. Um, I I was bedridden um, for months and months. Um, they, my, they had to restructure my left leg and put a metal rod in it. And they thought that if I survived, I wouldn't be able to walk again initially. Um, and so the, the whole thing is a miracle because then um, this was maybe eight or nine years later, um, I ran a marathon with my mom. And that to me was like the big, honestly, like wow. biggest accomplishment um, of, of my life. I didn't think that that was possible. Um, and so I think, you know, that was a really defining time, like kind of so, so early where it was like, okay, 
we've only got this one shot and, and I've now been blessed with a second, you know, um, to be able to go and, and, and see like, what can I do? And, and almost like, don't let anything hold you back at that point. Right. There's only, there's only one life, um, mm. to live. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> oh. Michelle, you bring out this in people, oh. right? They can just pour their heart out to oh. you. <laughs> no, no, Thank I you just for this don't. great energy. I oh, that is so kind of you to say, I, I literally just, I get so into these conversations yep. and I mean, yours is what, uh, the way you talk and you're so open <laughs> and you're bubbly and I love it. And I, I so appreciate you sharing this with us. I, I can only imagine, you know, how, how difficult that time would have been for you, your family, you know, Definitely. at, at yep. such a young age to go through that. What would you say, what advice would you give to our peers out there listening mm-hmm. who maybe they've, you know, most likely they've not had a similar incident happen to them and, you know, maybe they're just, they're feeling like they're little, a little bit lost at the moment with yeah. what they're trying to do, where they're trying to go, you know, and, and they're just, they're just searching from, for some type of signal, you know, what, what advice would you give to them? Yep. Yep. Definitely. So I can tell you that <clears throat> with, even within the last year, um, I've reinvented myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what you have to do over and over and over again. That's in regards to relationships. Um, you know, been with my partner for 15 years and it's just like literally reinventing, um, it and, and with your career, same thing. So I think, uh, you know, your lowest points actually become like the moments where you can right rise above and, and, and have, and act on these like passions and things that are already in you. So what I like to do is think around, um, you know, for me, it's all around the, the, the things I love most in life. And, uh, with, with my last company, Wonder Wolf, I did think that that was going to be, you know, a unicorn. I, I did believe in the, the wearable space for so many years, um, and, and still have friends in it and, and fighting the good fight. And, <laughs> and hopefully there will be a pet wearable that rises to the top. But, um, unfortunately that was not Wonder Wolf. And so then like looking at kind of these, um, really lowest lows, um, and, and trying to think like, where can I find an opportunity? And the only way is through, is through people. So it's through the people that, that, you know, you, you care about, you're also trying to support, but then it just comes right back to you. Right. And I think I could never have kind of founded this next company without the support of my co-founder. So I was a sole founder with Wonder Wolf, a lot of lessons there. I saw Michael do it with mine candy prior. He's now the co-founder of calm, the meditation app. So co-CEO there as well. Scenario that I, that I'm in, um, with my, um, absolute rock Sophia, who is, um, phenomenal co-CEO as well. And, you know, having had my son during the time that I was founding this next company, it, it, you know, I don't believe women can have it all actually. Mm -hmm. Right. So like the family and everything that comes with that, and then trying to found a new company at the same time, you know, the fact that Sophia and I have built this team around us already, that is that like rock and support, you know, very early days, there was no company. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was her and I getting together at 7am before we had to be at work almost every morning actually got to that point. And then on weekends trying to to hack together this idea. So I think that's where you can start, right? You can start with just one, one person that you think, and they might not even be that close of a friend at, at, at the time, but it, sometimes that's even better, right? Because you, they have maybe a skill set that's like, wow, that really compliments me. And like, let's figure out what can we make here? Like, let's have a hackathon on the weekend and just think around like any idea we want, right? And like coming up with that in the next 24 hours. And for me, like, um, you know, if you're, if you're wondering or you're lost or you're trying to think like what motivates you, right? And then um, what gets you excited? Like what, and it can be anything, right? It could be like the, the book you're reading or the, um, oh, I love to sew or, you know, I, in, in anything that it could be in like a problem that you might have. So for me, it was that 
feeding my newborn was the the hardest thing. And I'd always heard that from girlfriends as well, um, you know, early on. And then, you know, thinking around when I would introduce him to real food, like, what if that could be easier, right? What if this could be, um, so everything always started with a pain point as well, which I think is really important to kind of hone in on when you're feeling a bit like, you know, lost or not sure. Um, and, and like how I was one year ago, like, okay, I know I'm going to, um, I want to start a family, you know, and, 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 and build something around the baby space, mm -hmm. but what is the actual need there? And so another thing you can do when thinking around a particular um, category even is just interview people that are mm -hmm. in it, right? And it can be anyone. It can be like from your own network already, or um, or you could just do a very simple poll on online, right? Like saying, like, what are the biggest pain points here? And and for us, it was the more and more moms we could talk to early on, prior to me having, you know, baby Sebastian, then the better. And, and so, you know, there were so many learnings there. And then that's how we we got to food that this could actually have the biggest impact on a child's life. Mm -hmm. um, and I and you know, I never would have realized that even a year ago. We we knew we wanted to be in the baby space. We didn't know how can we have that biggest impact. So I think, you know, feeling lost is actually one of the best places to be because mm -hmm. it's when you get comfortable that it can get scary if you're not like challenging yourself. And oh, <laughs> I can go on. So, but <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So well said. Honestly, I'm. I think that so many of us are so used to just being comfortable. We go to our jobs and we come home and then it's the weekend and we do it all over again, you know, and yeah. I just think that it's just so refreshing to hear your perspective around this. And I think that, you know, it, it, it is when we put ourselves on the line, it is when we step up and go, you know what, even though I'm, in your case, I'm about to have a child. Right, exactly. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've had years and years of experience. You know, it's, it's, it's so fascinating, fascinating to see. Something I find interesting about you and your story is that it's always entrepreneurship. You know, mm -hmm. you, you don't think, even the way you just described then, you're like, oh, you come up with a problem, you find a problem, you come up with a solution and you invent where do you think that comes from for you? Mm, that's a yeah, good question. I think, um, you know, it has to be early days, right? It has mm. to be back uh, with, with my family whenever we would think around like a particular thing. It was always like, well, let's draw that. Like, mm. what's the blueprint? How might we build it? And I think like some of my funnest times with my family are in the garage actually building stuff together because my, my mom and brother would get, always get in on the action while Billy would be doing all the incredible graphics and, um, and illustrations, of course. But I think like it's this idea that um, you know, from an early age, if we can teach children, I mean, 100%, I love what Michael's doing at Calm. Like, if we can teach children to meditate, then that already kind of opens opens them up and, and they can they feel that, you know, actually anything I dream or think, I could build it. But it's starting small, right? And um, and especially with coding now, right? You actually could build it. Like, and we <laughs> yeah. see that happening again and again. But I think, like, for me, it, it must have it must have started way, way back um, then because I don't necessarily have um, entrepreneurship in my family. Mm -hmm. um, my my aunt was um, owned a greenhouse and entrepreneur there, um, incredible force. And I've, I've, I've mentioned to her multiple times that did have an impact on me, but it wasn't that I was kind of, you know, born into to, to that mindset of like, let's just dream it and become it. I'll absolutely say that Michael Acton Smith had a massive role in, in, in me realizing, wow, he's, he's building this, he's doing it. He made Moshi Monsters and Mind Candy. Of course he, you know, on the shoulders of giants, as he would say too, but, 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 but literally from nothing, right? Like that you could build this entire brand that would affect a generation of children. I think, um, you know, surrounding yourself with people, you know, even, even if you can just kind of get your foot in the door, mm -hmm. right? Like to be around those, those sort of, um, 
entrepreneurs really, right? That like could inspire and especially in a place like New York or um, of course Sydney and, 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 and other places that I've been and um, where you get these hubs of people that are just, they want that and they are seeking this energy and how um, kind of how can you gravitate towards it? For me, it was going to hackathons as well because everyone there is trying to build something and I wasn't necessarily, you know, the one in their coding, right? But then I, I was still accepted and, and, you know, those are very open environments usually where people can feel that, you know, you'll come in and if you're willing to contribute, mm-hmm. then um, you can kind of have fun with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's so much of it. We can't forget about the play, right? <laughs> it has to be fun. We and you cannot have to have the play. The play. Yes, yes. <laughs> we have the tendency to sometimes. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I love that. So, look, I want to dive. I love this conversation, Betsy. I yes. just have to say that. I want to dive a bit deeper into your time in the UK yep. working with, oh, I've forgotten, the yes, founder yes. of um, Mike Mushy, Mushy, Smith. Yes, yes Mushy mm-hmm. Monsters. Talk to us a little bit about your desire to, to go to the UK firstly yes. and then how that opportunity came about. Yes, so definitely. So um, my husband's from Europe originally. We knew we wanted to live there down the line. I thought I had my dream job as a toy inventor at Big Monster Toys in Chicago. I This is like, oh my goodness, how could life ever get better than this? Like beginning to invent for like Mattel and Hasbro and, and so forth. Um, and then I had read about um, Michael Acton Smith and then I wound up, I think, watching one of his talks um, online and thought this guy's the next Branson, 100%. Any, anything he touches is going to be gold. And I just thought, I'm so inspired. Um, so again, did not know anyone in London and flew out and for a straight month, um, kept walking in the door to our old, old offices in Battersea um, and asking to um, see Michael. I think it was the third or fourth time that I'd come in with my massive portfolio in hand to show him, like, this is what I could build and help with, you know, on the, on the Mushy Monsters front, um, as far as the physical franchise. Uh I think he might have felt bad for me at that point. Like, okay, she's now made friends with Meg, the heck, the, the, the front of house. She's now, you know, like in, in here all the time trying to, you know, meet with me. And um, and so so he let me in and we chatted. I believe it was almost two hours, actually. He later told me it was his favorite interview, but we um, we chatted and he said, you know, let's do this. And and it was just like on, on the spot, like creating, you know, around how can this be kind of the, before Angry Birds did it, like, bring bring into real life right these characters that were um that were built online to to help children through educational games and so forth and so yeah that that to me was like literally just um perseverance right mm. literally just like sheer will like <laughs> that i'm gonna make this happen because this this guy is a legend and he mm. is right and mm. i and i yeah so i think um it was absolutely that it was his belief in me that we could build really something really big here, right? And 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 it was reaching over 100 million registered users online as well. Um, so yeah, really um, exciting. But I think you know, it, again, it is all about the 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 people, right? And so it's it's kind of saying to yourself like, okay, what would if I who who would be sort of my dream scenario to get to kind of chat with or um, or, or meet even or something? And just against you know, even if it feels like against all odds, right? Like I'd only been to London one other time in my life I was the only American like in in the door there like even you know they, they literally told me like British people they don't do this like what I had done like kept walking in the door like to try to meet with him without a meeting um and so I think you know just 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 what do you have to lose that's what I kept asking myself what do I have to lose right by going in and doing and doing this so I think um any, anybody can 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 do that and 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 what what do you have to lose mm. Oh my goodness, I absolutely love this. What <laughs> what advice would you give 
around persistence? How do we develop persistence? Yeah. So the thing that I learned um, at Big Monster Toys that I mentioned in Chicago was how to fail fast. So this Mm. was right out of uni. Um, I had done a little tour, a solo backpacking tour of Europe after and and then started there. And what I realized so early was that every prototype I was building, so like lathe, mill, mold room, vac form, you know, take hours and hours, sometimes weeks of work, right, to build this one prototype of a new invention you'd have to show to Mattel Barbie, for instance. And um, what wound up happening is I actually built a hundred of these products and only a few of them make it to market. But the key and the secret here is approaching each new idea with the same enthusiasm, right? And that is the secret. That is the whole, that is the whole essence of it is like, how can, after you fail again and again and again, and it doesn't work and, you know, and, 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 and actually you're, you're, you feel like, you know, I'm losing, I'm losing out. Like, how can I try to get a win here? It's like the only way is just to keep on keeping on. Right. Mm. And eventually, you, you know, and with that belief that like, um, yes, like I'm, I'm, this is it. This is the one, you know, even though, yeah, it's definitely not the one, but like, it is the one right? and you just have to, you have to view life in that way. I, 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 I guess I don't know any other way really. Cause, um, you have to just keep keeping on. Yeah. Uh, we, we will keep As Bob keeping Dylan on. Would say, yes. I, I, I could not agree more. And I think that I think that the only way to, I think that the idea of pursuing your dreams or going after something that you want or meeting that person who you really want to work with, even though it takes four or five times, you know, I think that that in itself is what makes it all so exciting as well. You know, Mm. and I think so many of us are so fearful of experiencing that backlash that, oh, no, 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 you're not going to get, get there or step back or whatever it is. But at the same time, I think it's that it's the borderline of fear and excitement. I think it is, and that when you view it, it depends on how you view it, what perspective you, what perspective you come from. What, where do you think, as you developed through the company and you started building with him? I mean, you were there for almost three years. I saw, yeah. you know. Was there ever a point during this time that you kind of felt like that fear took over? And, you know, you just were, you were no longer excited. You were like, oh, no, this is really not going to work out. Was there ever a point during that time? Um, was this at Wonder Wolf or Big Monster? At um, Big, at oh, Big Mushy, Monster, yeah. Mushy, Mushy Monsters, Monsters in London. Okay, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. been quite a few. <laughs> um, so, yeah, at, um, at, at Mushy Monsters, you know, we did um, run into, at the end of the day, um, I, I often like toys to fashion, you know, very trend driven. And, um, although we were at adding immense value to a child's life through, through play and learning. Right. Um, and, and, in that way we were the Pokemon of the UK. I mean, we absolutely, you know, kind of saturated the market there, but then it got to a point where, um, it did start to dip. So I think that, you know, at that moment, it's like, wait a minute. Um, we were trying to work on other titles. We hadn't released, um, them almost quickly enough. And so I think there, there was a point in that journey where I thought, and also I just felt so inspired that actually this is solving a real need for my dog. When I had invented that on the hackathon over the weekend with this software engineer friend of mine as well. Um, you know, that, that 
how I almost like I knew too much. Like I would almost feel like guilty if I didn't sort of like run with this. And then it was my partner as well. He kind of helped to push me over that edge and say, you have to do this, right? If you don't give it a go, like how, how will you know? And then of course, when you, when you say that and you just do it, um, everything, it's just incredible. Like how Mm. you sort of, you know, you hear the analogy, you jump off the cliff and then you build that, you know, airplane on on the way down. And that's hundred percent like the way it was with my, my last startup. And I think, you know, it was really difficult sort of like thinking like, but this is also my dream job, right? And same as being monster toys, like how would I ever leave this? But then, um, just that, that dream that like, maybe I could build something, you know, this big one day too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's that like, you know, could, could I make a difference in, in the lives of all dogs, not just my dog. Um, and that's, that's what was so inspiring to kind of take that leap. Cause then it was like, it wasn't just about me, right. It was like, how can I bring this, how can I solve this problem, um, to the masses? Mm. I'm not sure if that answers the question. I love that. Okay. So then you, you dived straight into Wondermento and yes. You actually moved back to New York. You moved yes. to New York. You've right. not been there, but yeah. What? Where did that decision come from? And yes. talk to us a little bit, a little bit about the early days of Wondermento. Yeah. So early days was literally me and my software engineer <laughs> yes. friend, um, absolute legend, and, and and hacking in my kitchen. My um, husband would come home from work, and we'd still be there, sort of hacking it. You know, kind of <laughs> all odd hours, like figuring out how can we make this work. Um, we then brought on um, a couple other engineers because we were building a hardware company, and and this was before we didn't have one on the market other than Fitbit. We didn't have a pet wearable to kind of look to and say, oh, well, okay, that's kind of, so we built our own hardware stack from scratch. And because I had the connects in the Far East with my team in China that I'd worked with for years and years um, on Mattel and Hasbro products prior, um, I was then able to kind of, you know, work work in tandem with them. And so we did have a small team in office in Hong Kong too, and the manufacturing out of China. Um, So it was going back and forth there, but the real headquarters was in London. And so once we started, but we didn't have any money. I didn't have any investment. You know, we didn't, um, I mean, it was just, I I was putting everything towards the company at that point. Um, and honestly for the first couple years really. Um, and so that was totally different than the way I've built this new company as well. So a lot of learnings there, but I think it's all you can do when you're first starting out and you don't, you don't know, and you don't have something quite yet. Um, you know, we, everybody was building it for the dream, right? So like the, the, there, 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 there was really no other kind of, um, incentive there at the time. And I think, you know, we were so passionate about this that we actually had a team of about five at that point in London, um, even prior to any kind of, you know, funding and, and, and so forth. When we did start to scale, so we launched it Harrods um, with a 24 karat gold version of the bow tie. So we have a design oh. patent on the bow tie for the Wonder Wolf. Of course, it's the number one accessory for any dog, right? Yeah. A bow tie. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but something I wanted to do being the only female founder in the pet wearable space, because now there's quite a few. And even to this day, um, something I really wanted to do was was to go where I believe, you know, actually it can be beautiful and to sell in places that that aren't Best Buy, right? So we, we sold it initially to Harrods, um, to Colette for Paris Fashion Week, and then went to Story in, here in Manhattan, Rachel Leeds, and oh, it was phenomenal just to get to tell our story there. Um, then went to Bloomingdale's as well, and I went and personally trained all the Bloomingdale's and, and their staff because we didn't, um, there was no, there was no mm. other wear, pet wearable. We actually launched Urban Outfitters last year and the first pet wearable to do so there as well. So places that, you know, other others couldn't get into, and it was because 
because we're really trying to resonate with our demographic, which is women. So over 80% of, of, of women, right, um, were, were our customers. And um, over half of women in the U.S. alone own at least one dog. So this was absolutely, you know, kind of our, our demographic and sweet spot. And there was no other woman building for, for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, I, on the panels, I was always the token you know, <laughs> woman. But it's like, you know, how can we be, as we said earlier, be the change and, and make that difference? And I think, um, you know, once we started to see that at scale, that's when I opened, I moved to New York, I guess it was about four years ago now to open our marketing and sales um, component of the operation uh, here. And, and so then we had, you know, we were t- still tag teaming it with the London and Hong Kong offices mm-hmm. as well and kind of going back and forth. And London will always have that like very, very sweet spot in my heart. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. It, it's so interesting, Betsy. I think that just your de- your desires, I think, so big. You know, mm. you're just pulling out names like Bloomingdale's and yeah. sort of like <laughs> out, you know, Urban Outfits, like some of the biggest retail stores like in the world. You know, how do you, how do we dream bigger? Mm-hmm. Yep. So for me, I didn't have a sales director. So I was literally trying to find, it's exactly sort of how we connected as well, right? Like, so like looking on LinkedIn, like who is the top buyer for electronics? Cause there wasn't even, you know, there's not a wearables and how can I, and you know, is there anyone in common and who um, can I connect with? But it was essentially the same thing that, you know, I had done like so many years ago now, right? With, with, with Michael, when I first w- walked into Mind Candy, it's like, you just try to figure out a way that you can connect with these folks and show them w- I think what made the difference was that I was, and the team as well, so passionate about mm-hmm. what we were building. And this was real, right? This this was fabricated, this is so authentic that um, there was no um, other option at, at that time, right? Like that could have sold into into an urban outfitter. So I think that was it too. There was a bit, a little bit of novelty in that sort of concept, right? Where you you've got to lean into to your your authentic voice, right? And what and what is that? And I think then. And the, you know, kind of refining and honing in on it um, will just absolutely help to get, get those conversations going. Um, and one of the other ways is like hit, going and hitting up, you know, these events where you know those folks are going to be, and and you can kind of even just begin to sort of talk about, you know, what your why. Okay, mm-hmm. so not even when you're leading in with with the product, it's it's not, you know, that's not what what people are resonating with. It's not the actual bow tie itself. It's it's my why, right? It was for me. It was whiskey, my, my fur baby. And I think, you know, if we can lead in with the why in regards to anything that you're building or or making, then, you know, you have kind of a listening ear, but also, you know, in in the same way, like if you're friends with someone that you think actually that could really make a difference for, um, their, their planogram, like if I introduce them to this company, right. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm then helping urban outfitters per se, right. Like this kind of introduction, I think, you know, you're, you, you you give and give, and then Mm -hmm. it just, you know, (laughs) it ebbs and flows, but, um, Mm -hmm. When, when you're starting from from kind of absolute scratch, that's like definitely what I would say. It's just like when when you've found your why and you have that you know that authentic piece and, and voice, then that will stand the, the test of time, right? So, and yeah, I could go on, but <laughs> so great, so great. How do we find our why? Yeah. So for me, it big was, questions. Yes, I'm throwing at big, you today. Big questions. Yeah. And I don't think I can answer that for anyone. But I, oh. but I, but I can say for myself that it was um, for for me. Everything's always come back to family. So you know, everything that I'm building. Um, another thing was you know, and selfishly that I didn't want to grow up. Mm. So you know, I, I wanted to remain a you know kind of ch- child at heart, always be able to play and have that that kind of joy. You know, I was super concerned even moving to New York. Like mm. oh, you know you. 
you do be, get a little jaded, right? Like there is that um, component of, of living in a, in a big city. And I, you know, for me, the, the why is like, what, what, what do you, what do you love kind of more than anything? Like you, you would want, um, that to be kind of your, let's say for instance, you know, um, it was just dogs, right. And then the dog, the dog market and you're, you're obsessed with your dog and you're, you're thinking, okay, how can I, or your cat, right. Cause I was also a cat person like early days before whiskey and, you know, for it, it is, it is, what are you kind of, what keeps you up at night? What are you obsessed with? Right. And then, and then that is your why, like if you, if you're, if you're thinking around, like, how can I make that more seamless? How can I make that more kind of streamlined the, the relationship here or, or be helpful in some way. Right. Cause it is mm-hmm. all about relationships too, of course. Mm-hmm. But I would say the why is what keeps you up at night. It's what you're, it's what you're sort of obsessed with. And if you had, if you had like a day off of work, like what would be kind of in your dream scenario, would you want to do that day? And then that's your, that, that to me is kind of your, your, your why. Mm. (laughs) This is so great. I'm so excited for all our peers out there listening to hear this. (laughs) I think we talk a lot about passion. We talk a lot about finding your why purpose, all that kind of jazz on the show. Mm. And I think that it's, I mean, you said it so well. I think it's for some stranger, I mean, I I used to be someone who didn't know what my why was. I had no idea what I wanted. I was caught up in a corporate job that I wasn't excited about going to work every day thinking, what am I even doing this for? And I think it's almost a, a gift when you find your why. And I think getting there is, isn't always the easiest, but when right. you do, it's, it's, it feels like a gift, you yeah. know. And so, I mean, um, so many of our peers out there listening are probably thinking, oh, I just really want to do something that I care about, but right. I've got to pay my more, my rent, I've got to go to sc- pay my school fees or whatever it is. You know, how do we compartmentalize? How do we juggle the two? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we juggle pursuing our passion and also actually trying to make a living until our passion becomes that for us. Right, right. Yeah, this is such a good question. And what I always advise too is that um, you remain in the the day job, if you will, the thing that that will that will make ends meet. And then, um, same as I did with with you know starting out Tiny Organics, it's like on on any free time that I have, right, to just prioritize this dream because that will be it's the little things that make the big things, right? And that will in each little half hour you can get even you know maybe a full day on a weekend to forfeit all the other things that would be so much fun and and like very gratifying, you know, go go out, you know, um, all all the things. But I think anything that you, 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 you kind of desperately want in life, um, you will prioritize, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and around kind of everything else, because there is always so much on. And I definitely, as a new mom, I could, I absolutely can testify to that. There's just so much on, but, um, if you really, really want something, then you just, you just figure out a way how to prioritize even just an hour here, an hour there until, as you said, that can become, mm. you know, the, the dream. And it is around finding those partners and sort of once you start to build and you have that MVP, the minimum viable product around, yep, this is what I, th- this works well enough, may, may not look great or whatever it is, but um, that's enough to get people kind of, you know, excited and on board. And then it is like building that sort of com- community around it as well um, before you're sort of off to the races. But I would almost wait till the very last moment because, um, you know, investors will require you to be full time um, mm. on on what on your passion and your dream and what you're building. And it's kind of wait till that last moment before you can flip the switch. Right. And before you do, because then um, you because then it is scary. Right. And 
but at the same time, that's when you have to make it work. And that's when you really can almost live, live your full potential in, in that moment where it's like, wow, okay, I've taken that leap. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and take the leap you have so many times, Betsy. It's so amazing to see. As we <laughs> come you. to the close, I could sit here and listen. We could chat all day. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm yeah. absolutely <laughs> loving this. I'm and I love your energy, Michelle. Oh. It is honestly, I'm, yeah, it, just oh, makes, it wouldn't make anyone feel so open. And, oh. and thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, of really course. appreciate this. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> of course, you've been amazing. So before, as we come to the close, I want to just dive a bit more into your current venture, yep. Tiny Organic. So you've recently just launched. Yes. Congrats. <laughs> I've had a look into it. It looks amazing. Yay. Talk to us a little bit about, so you've talked about, you know, how you've had to work on it early mornings with your co-founder, yes. all of that. Talk to us a little bit more about the vision for this company and where you yep. want to take it. Yep. So really the vis- the bigger vision here is that we're building a programmatic approach to childhood development through food. So it's actually so much more around like what I was doing in the health and wellness space for Wonder Wolf with, with the, the pet health. We're doing, we're trying to do for baby health as well. And to figure out um, for us, it's about introducing baby to their first 100 flavors in the first two years of life, um, which you can already do with the recipes that we currently have on, on the website. But what that does is it expands a baby's palate to be a more adventurous eater, less picky, and we're not, we're, we're savory first. So we're not parade if you, you know, and, and in that way it condenses the sugar and even things that are no added sugar become quite sugary as they would in like a smoothie and for us it's all about the solid whole food which you can actually start from 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 the beginning so you can actually forego parade if you wish but but eventually babies will always move into solid foods and for us it's almost you know what's so exciting about this too is that um, a child gets to explore other cultures through food and what better way right to learn about different places and people and so we're, um, you know, we're so excited about the diversity there and the in, in the flavors and and what we really love too is this idea that when you train your palate and and you know I know this from years and years of you know kind of when you would um, I, I love chocolate so when, when I would cut out the chocolate and then when I would train my palate it's like okay any bit of chocolate wow that's just sending me on like a sugar kind of spiral um, but imagine if you know baby's not set up for that. So right now, a lot of the baby foods you see on the market are sugar, are, are fruit forward and they're parade. And so at that point, you know, that is the taste that the baby is acquiring, right? But what if it doesn't have to be? And what if we can actually say, um, you know, they're they're then craving broccoli or they're mm-hmm. <laughs> craving sweet potato or things that, yeah, <laughs> that they're getting introduced to in this new way. And, and most of all, it's convenient for moms. So actually what I do at night, as opposed to steaming a sweet potato um, with the 30 minutes I have when I get home before I put Sebi to bed, um, I'm then able to grab a tiny out. And because it's frozen, I can either warm it up um, right away or I put it in the fridge the night before. And, um, and what that means is like, I, I put it out on the table, but I'm actually eating it too. So that's kind of so amazing. And this is why we've launched the mommy and me and kind of family and me series. Um, is that I'm, cause for me, I was like having to eat well after I was doing bath time and putting him to bed. But then if baby can see you eating and enjoying the food as well, it's that shared mealtime experience that's so kind of beautiful and interesting. We want to bring back this this moment and these family times um, uh, and kind of have the space for that. I think um, it, there's also research that's done where babies are more keen to then enjoy that food if they see mom or dad eating it, right? So um, that's kind of so so exciting for us too that we're really trying to be science and research backed and based and we're working in, um, in collaboration with Tough School of Nutrition 
nutrition and their food scientists there to ensure that what we're feeding your, your child in those first 100 flavors are what they need to set them up for nutritional success in life. <laughs> I love it. It's wow. Your yeah, tackling it's subscription, is big. direct to consumer. Yeah, all we of it. love this. We absolutely love it. Look, Betsy, I'm so excited to see this all unfold <laughs> with Tiny Organics. And Thank you. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you. I mean, look, since starting in business a decade ago now, you know, you've you've had so many, so much recognition for your work. You were featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. You were BBC's 100 Most Inspiring Women. You To date, you've invented over 100 products and counting. <laughs> you've spoken at Google, C- CES, World Economic Forum. You know, you've keynoted at the first pet tech summit in North America when you were, um, when you were at your other startup, it's, I, the list, the, the list continues. I can keep going. You are absolutely phenomenal. And I just want to acknowledge you for empowering us all in particularly women to step up, to chase our dreams, to go after what it is that we actually want yes. just through doing what you're doing, just through living your dream and living your passion. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Of course. Very happy to be here. Amazing. Great. So our final question is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project. Okay. That is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? For me, it has to come back to that state of play. And I think really play and presence can can be combined into one in the way I'm referring to it, it, you know, that there's this moment where kind of everything else is like all, all the day-to-day, all the, you know, <laughs> things like that, that, that are taking up your space it can can fade away, that you can have these moments and, and it's maybe how you would feel when you're rock climbing or, you know, <laughs> when you're running a marathon or whatever, but you can get to that state of play in what you're doing and, and, and in those moments that you're chasing the passion and, and living that, you know, your your version of the dream. Uh, and I, I do believe it's like getting into that, that presence um, for me is, is kind of the the biggest, yeah, win and joy. Uh, I love it. Betsy, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so tinyorganics.com is our is our website. We officially launched for back to school in September uh, nationwide. So very excited. <laughs> Thank you. Love that. We will link that in the show notes. Betsy, Thank we've you. had an absolute ball. <laughs> Thank you so much. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here to see what else we're up to visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on instagram at thepeersproject we'll have fresh real talk for you next week peers until then if you need inspiration look amongst your peers <laughs>